welcome to the 27th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. And today you are in luck because we scored an impromptu second interview with T1D Exposed Calendar co-founder and transplant recipient, Tara Lehman. You heard me correctly, transplant recipient. Since our last interview with Tara, her life has changed so dramatically, we're questioning whether or not she still has diabetes. In this episode, which actually started as a mini pod, I scored the inside scoop on how Tara ended up with a transplant. Her body's now home to two pancreases and three kidneys, which seem to be working just fine according to her meter's regular reading of 100 or below. But before we get started, you know we always have a few announcements. We'll keep them short and sweet. We know it's back to school time and you're making a lengthy list of things to pick up. So don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on the right side of the DiabetesDailyGrind.com website before ordering underwear, three ring binders, and all the glucose tabs. It doesn't cost you a thing and they throw a little change our way to help keep the podcast coming. We love hearing from fellow people with diabetes and their friends and family. If you have a story to share and would like to be a guest contributor, shoot us an email over at info at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. And finally, DOC friends, in this episode, we propose the question, does Tara still have type 1 diabetes? And if she does, what are we calling her? A type 4? We'd love to hear from you. So please chime in via our iTunes reviews or on the podcast post on the DiabetesDailyGrind.com website. So we know you're jonesing to get started. So sit back and prepare yourself to be wowed by her story. Hope you enjoy the show. Is it diabetes or diabetes? Hello, this is Tara. Hi, Tara. This is Amber. Hey. Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you perfect. Good. Well, hey, thank you so much for agreeing on such short notice to chat with me today. Um, Of course. For our listeners, and this will be in the intro for sure, but um, Tara's been going, undergoing quite a bit of changes in her diabetes life, and so... She was kind enough to give us a second to chat with her about what's going on. <laughs> so, Tara, yeah, where do, where, where, do, where do we start with this whole thing? Um, I want to throw out that Tara and I have never met face-to-face. I'm her friendly stalker, and every once in a while I'll just send her a text to say, hey, what's going on or how are you doing? And so a couple of months ago, I believe you had a little hiccup with your eyesight. Is that correct? Yes, I did. I actually ended up having retinal detachment and then having uh, a vitrectomy. So that's where they go in and they reattach the um, retina to the back of your eye. And is that, if if you don't mind me, and I should know this for the love of God, but is that diabetes related? Yes, it's diabetes related. Yep. So basically what happens is... um, you develop blood vessels inside of your eye. Everyone with diabetes does just because your blood sugars are not always in control. And mm-hmm. um, uh, so that starts to happen over the years. And then eventually those little blood vessels attached attach to your retina. And what it does is it starts to pull your retina away from the back of your eye. Um, and that's what causes retinal detachment. And then you start to, things start to get fuzzy and you can you know, lose, lose some eyesight that way. And mm-hmm. luckily I was able to have this surgery to prevent much more damage from happening. So, Well, that's good that they caught it so early and 
you know, I have a year ago or so, and we put this on, I think I've written, I know I've written about it, had the beginning uh, signs of retinopathy, the hemorrhages, and um, mm-hmm. just had my follow-up, oh, probably three months ago. And I'm so thankful that I was able to, I'm going to say reverse it, but it went from a, a number of hemorrhages to one. So yeah. What, and well, mine, it's always good to do the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I will say that even though it was very diabetes related, it was more because of stress than, and lifestyle than just my diabetes regimen, essentially. So what well, medit- of course, I mean, those are all factors, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All those things. Yeah. Unfortunately factor in for sure. So how is, how is your eyesight today? Are you recovering? Um, I'm still recovering, um, but it gets better every single day. And I actually have a procedure in probably, I think it's four weeks now where they remove the oil in your eye and things will get even clearer then. Nice. I'm very excited about that. That'll be crazy. I mean, if I'll be curious if it's, um, they remove the oil and it's like you open your eyes and you're like, whoa, everything's back to normal or, you know, what the difference will be. <laughs> I'm hoping we'll for the just best. Have to see. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so, okay, let's go moving on. You've had a, I'm not going to say a rough year, a challenging one, I'm sure. Um, you just had a transplant. I did. So the crazy, it is probably the craziest story. Well, it is the craziest story of my life. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. A couple years ago, I found out that I had chronic kidney disease. Um, my kidney function was slowly declining, mm-hmm. and I, I knew eventually that I was going to need a transplant and was doing everything within my power to stay healthy and active and, you know, prolong that as long as possible. But you never really know the the timeline with that. You know, I kept asking, you know, like, how long is it going to be? How much what time should I plan for? What should my timeline be? And and my doctors just say, we, we don't know. We don't know what to tell you. It could be 10 days from now. It could be 10 years from now. We just, you just have to keep your numbers going and, and see what happens. Do um, they put you on a list at that point? Because I know that transplants, I'm sure, are hard to come by. So they don't actually put you on a list until you get down to 20% kidney function left. Okay, okay. Um, and when I first found out about it, I was at 60% and then I was at 40% and then, mm. you know, my numbers slowly started, started dwindling from there. And this was about a two year process. Um, and then, so finally when I got to 20%, they put me on the transplant. Well, they didn't put me on the transplant list. They put me in, in the process of getting onto the transplant list Wow! because you have a lot of you have a lot of steps to go through before you can be on the list. You have to get tests done. You have to have, you know, mental and and psychological tests done and talk to social workers and all of that jazz and just making sure that you're in a place where you are able to actually go through with it. Um, So then I did the full workup. I got all my tests done, was still kind of in this gray area before, um, having to go on dialysis. And that was really important to me is that I wanted to make sure I was doing everything I could to not have to go on dialysis because your body has such a hard time recovering from dialysis. Um, 
So my number one priority was get all the tests done, have the meeting at UCSS, and I'm so lucky because here in San Francisco, UCSS is one of the best kidney and pancreas transplant um, centers in the entire country. So, um, uh, yeah, that's wonderful that that's in your like in your backyard, essentially. Yes, exactly. Um, so I went and I had the evaluation with the the transplant team, and then they were going to discuss my case about six months later. This was in February, uh, is when I had my evaluation, and. Between February and June, I had all of these tests to be done, so like an EKG, an ultrasound mm-hmm. of my heart, and all of these stress tests, and just keeping up with everything just to make sure that if and when it did happen, that I was ready. Um, yeah. So time went on, you know, got all the tests done, and it was about the end of May, um, beginning of June, and they were going to present my case to the board and make sure that I was viable to do um, the transplant. And I had actually, my father and mother both generously offered, but my my father was a perfect match and was going to be my living donor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our that was our plan originally. And then they presented my case and. At the board meeting, they had decided they wanted to put me on the dual kidney and pancreas transplant list. Were you prepared for that? I mean, that's crazy. I knew that that was going to be an option. That was an option I could choose. But the Mm -hmm. problem with doing that is that the waiting is a lot longer than if you have your own donor. Um, Right. So... You, you have to wait for, for a deceased donor in order to get both the kidney and the pancreas. So it could be a year to a couple years. And at that point, I was already to the point where I could have to go on dialysis at any point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, nope, I don't want to do the dual. I want to do my father as a living donor. And then um, so this is where the crazy stuff starts to happen. So my dia birthday, my 22nd dia birthday was on June 28th. And I got a phone call from UCSF, my transplant coordinator. And she was like, okay, she's like, I just got done talking to the board. And she was like, we're putting you on the kidney pancreas transplant list. And she was like, you know, you might have to wait about a year or so, but this, the doctors really think this is the best option. And I was like, let me think about it. So I thought about it. I talked to my dad. We both decided, nope, that's not the option we wanted. Mm-hmm. So I called my coordinator back and I said, no, look, I want to do the living donor because I don't want to be on dialysis. I want to save my body from having to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so we had decided, my father and I had decided in September, we were going to both go under and do the kidney transplant. Wow. And that was all on Tuesday, June 28th. And then the very next day, so um, June 29th, 29th, yeah, yeah, on Wednesday, I got another phone call about 5 o'clock p.m., like right when medical offices are starting to close. My coordinator calls me, and she says, okay, I need you to sit down. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> and she was like, so I need you to pack a bag to spend about two weeks in the hospital. And I was like, what? And she was like, I need you to come in tonight. And I was like, wait, I'm really confused. I was like, I thought we were waiting till September. And she was like, 
no, so we have a donor for you. She was like, we have a kidney and a pancreas for you. And I was like, wait, I thought I was taken off of that list. And she had not actually had the chance to take me off the list right, between right. 5 p.m. and whatever time she got the call the very next day. And I had been on the waiting list for less than 24 hours. And she said, you're the one, you're the match. You are oh the one person God. that's close enough. You have all the medical tests done and ever, everybody else on the list just isn't able to make it happen right now. So this is, if, if you're ready, this is for you. And I was like, uh, I, okay, I guess I'm ready. I mean, that's I, a, like a holy I, shit moment in your life. Nobody ever thinks they're going to have a phone call like that, period. And like, who's having a baby? Yeah, I'm right. A new organ. Like, <laughs> so, um, how did you? Okay, you get the phone call. So did then, you, yeah, the most the most frustrating part, and I gave my family a hard time for this because it was, of course, you know, five or six p.m. by this point. So I hang up the phone with her, and I'm like freaking out, and I'm starting to pack yeah. a bag, and I'm throwing all my all my diabetes supplies are going in the bag. I'm like, I need sensors <laughs> for two weeks. I need test strips. I need insulin. I need low supplies. I need all the things for two weeks that I would ever need. And I'm just like throwing diabetes supplies in a bag. And then I was throwing like underwear and whatever else too. But I just like <laughs> right. needed the diabetes things, need that stuff. Like, don't forget it. And um, I got my bag all packed and I was, and then I called my dad and I called my dad's wife and then I called my mom and then I called my girlfriend and I was like what is going on nobody is picking up and I literally called each of them probably 20 times and nobody would answer I was like this is this is the moment this is like a moment I need I need to scream to somebody I need to cry I need to do something but I can't because nobody's answering my phone um I bet it was one of those things like the universe is like you've got to make this decision for yourself you know well, I, mean? I had already made the decision. You were I had made do the it. decision and as soon as she called, I was like, Okay, I just needed them to come pick me up and take me to the hospital. <laughs> I need a ride, people. Come on. <laughs> like I am not Ubering to the hospital. <laughs> um That would have been priceless, I'm not gonna but, lie, but yeah. Okay, so who'd you get on the yeah. phone? So the first person I got on the phone was my dad's wife and she was like crying and then of course I started crying for the first time and made it feel very real and then I got a hold of my mom and told my mom to book a plane ticket from Iowa. Yeah. And then my dad finally picked up because he had been on a run with with their dogs and he was like oh okay we're going in tonight. She was like let me shower really quick and I was like what? You have to shower? Like, <laughs> Dad, I've got a pancreas on, on ice. Let's do this. <laughs> but eventually what I came to find out, um, so we got in the car, we drove off to UCSF, and it felt really surreal because it was late at night and nobody was really at the hospital. There wasn't, like, the buzz around the hospital anymore, and I was like, are we at the right place? I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not ready. To, I don't know. And so we checked in and it was just, a, it's a very much a hurry up and wait kind of thing. So they do you think checked in and they get you? Well, let me ask you just really quick because I know that going into medical procedures, it's for me, it's anticipation, like the anxiety going in that you're like, Oh my God, you're stressed out about it. So because you didn't have to, 
weight necessarily from the point you were put on the list or whatnot. Um, do you feel like how expedited everything was that it was kind of peace of mind? I, I don't know that that's the it, word, but I, I can't imagine it being any different than yeah, that yeah. because I didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to worry about, oh my goodness, like what is this procedure going to entail? I like didn't even know what kind of incision they were going to make or where they were going to put the organs. I just oh knew they were going somewhere in my body. Um, I didn't know how long the procedure was going to take. It just, it was all just a flash and you know, they always say it's like a hurry up and wait kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. it actually at this point, even being in the hospital, didn't mean I was going to have the transplant. So they don't actually tell you that you're going to have the transplant until they get a physical look at the organs. Right. And they're able to actually schedule it. So my, my donor actually hadn't passed away yet, but was very um, close. It was very close. And so I came in and they did the full the full workup to get me ready for surgery. And, and I ended up waiting about 48 hours and then finally going into surgery on Friday, July 1st. Um, and it was, it was pretty terrifying going well, down yeah. there and then not really realizing what was going to happen, but I knew I was in really good care with the doctors and just kind of had to, to throw caution to the wind and, and take a jump and, kind of figure it out from there. Well, kudos for being so brave because as someone who's had diabetes for a very long time, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we've always dreamt about. I mean, yeah. and it's an unfortunate situation. And thank you to the family or to the person that was able to do it for you. And do you know anything about that? The person who um, lost their life? Um, I am able to contact them through this um, service called Transplant Net. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm planning on writing a letter to the family, and they're allowed to contact me back if they want to, and they're allowed to to not. It's kind of up to them, but I would right. love to hear from the family and and just let them know how how grateful I am for this second chance. You know, I just feel like I've been given a complete second chance at life, and been crazy. It's so crazy. So everything moves forward. The surgery happens 48 hours essentially after you were going into the hospital. You did you say a like a prayer or anything going into it? I mean, I don't know how this goes or do you, I'm not a spiritual I mean, I'm not a religious person, but what was your mindset yeah. going in? <laughs> um, my mindset going in was, please just let me come out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. And, you know, and then being grateful for, you know, all of the times in my life that I've had and the people that I've had and just just remembering to go in very peaceful because you don't want to stress your body out before yeah, sure. you're going to go through so much stress anyways. And, um. I, I try to keep myself at an even keel most days anyways, so right. it's not that hard for me um, to just kind of let go. Do you do that through, like, affirmations, meditation? What's your form of practice? I, I guess it would be kind of like a meditation, you know, just kind of like zeroing my, my brain out and just letting yeah. it kind of empty of all the 
all the stuff we worry about and all the bouncing marbles <laughs> at all times. And, um, yeah, it's, well, huh. and let me ask you this because Ryan just had a pretty significant surgery on his hand. Um, and he wrote actually about being under and having his CGM on and things like that. And so his blood sugar completely tanked out while he was in surgery and, the doctors and everybody were able to, because of the technology that we have available today, work, you know, make sure that his diabetes management was even killed throughout while he was under. And so for someone and for, for you, I mean, what did they do? Did they, that's a major surgery. How long did it take? I think the surgery itself was either six or seven hours, more okay. on the seven hour side. Um, Are th- are you still hooked Honestly, up to insulin? I, I mean, like, what? I mean, no. So, I, I mean, I've never, I haven't been wearing a pump for a long time now. Yeah. I just do long lasting. But so, another part of this story that's pretty funny is that we all like to be in control of our diabetes. And yeah, <laughs> when I was admitted to the hospital, I brought all of my, you know, all of my stuff with me and. I was checking my blood sugar on my own and then they were checking my blood sugar and I was like, well, my meter says this. And they were like, well, our meter says this. And I'm like, okay. Hey. And so my blood sugar, <laughs> my blood sugar started to go up a little bit. And I was like, okay, now I'm 250. I was like, can we, can I please take some insulin? And they were like, no, we don't want you to take any insulin because when you go into surgery, we don't want you to have anything in your system because your pancreas is going to start working and then you'll bottom out. And Oh, wow. So throughout the night before surgery, I was like 300, 350. And of Ooh. course, by that time, I was starting to feel really gross and yeah, really sick. Right. And um, <laughs> my, my friend who was with me and I were like talking and I was like, I just want to take some insulin. And so she was like, so just take some insulin. And I was like, uh, but they won't let me. And she was like, just do it anyways. And so finally we paged the nurses at the nurse station and they sent the charge nurse in and he was like so listen (laughs) you're gonna need to let go of the diabetes piece he was like Uh. you're not gonna have as good of control in the hospital as you do at home and just let us do our job and we will take care of it and I'm like but I'm 300 and he was like yeah we're not worried about it you shouldn't be either and I'm like but I am worried. Right. About it. This is right. <laughs> this is what I've been trained this my whole I life. My life yeah. doing, you know, like worrying about it. Um, but it ends up being fine, and and you know they took good care of me. But they they checked my blood sugar on a on a meter throughout, you know, the the process and stuff. And I so had my, have actually a, had my C. You didn't have a CG. Did you have a CGM on during? No, you're not allowed to have any metal or anything. Oh, okay. On, so I makes have to okay. take that off. So they're pricking um, your finger while you're completely under. Yeah. That is a trip. Did you say, Here's a, here are the fingers that I prefer? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which that would have been funny. Have. I would have been a princess. <laughs> that would have been funny. Like, I, that would have definitely been in my notes in my, in my file. She really likes <laughs> this finger. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so you're in surgery for six to seven hours, mm-hmm. um, you wake up. What's how? How are you feeling? 
um, I woke up and I don't really remember exactly where I was. I remember getting taken to the ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, and most most kidney transplants, kidney only, go straight to the the floor into mm-hmm. their bedroom. Mm-hmm. But since I had a dual and a pancreas too, they take you to the ICU for like I think the first 24 to 36 hours or mm-hmm. something like that. It was a really rough night. It was a balancing act of getting enough pain medication and mm-hmm. and also not, you know, wanting to vomit everywhere mm-hmm. and be on anti-nausea meds and then also having to have an ultrasound where they're pushing on my stomach that they just cut open and yeah. It was it was a lot. It was very intense and um he ended up having to have an NG tube put in. What's um, that? What is that? That is the tube that goes in your nose down to your stomach. Ooh, that's so suck. in your nose down your throat to your stomach. Yeah. Were you um, kind of out of it when they put that in? I've had this done. So, I mean, it sucks. No, I wasn't out of it at hey. all. I had to like continuously start swallowing. swallowing. Yeah. <laughs> and get this thing down my throat. <laughs> yep. And you're like, this is not oh. natural. I can feel it scraping myself. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, eventually that was really great because then I stopped having so much nausea and I didn't feel like I had to had to vomit all the time, which is just the worst feeling when you just had stomach surgery and yeah. you're like trying not to contract your muscles. But half the time it felt like my whole stomach was just going to rip open. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, listeners, this is so graphic. <laughs> no, this is what people need to hear. I mean, this is the real, this is the real life. That's why we're here. Um, okay, so 48 hours so in. Then it, yeah, and then, you know, they they took me up to the floor and put me in a, a very comfortable room, which, you know, was amazing and just kind of kept adjusting my meds and making sure that my numbers all looked good. I had constantly being blood drawn and blood pressure taken and temperature taken just to keep me at a stable place and making sure that I was recovering and and I when I, I just remember the first time I took a walk after being um in the ICU with all my tubes and I had a catheter hanging out. Uh. I had an NG NG tube and then I had an oxygen mask and then I had IVs in both arms and I was just walking around like this little <laughs> robot. You're like a bionic like person seven. essentially with Yeah, essentially. Poles. Yeah. Um <laughs> but I you know, they the the great thing was I was I was actually able to move around and, and not be totally bedridden and I was able to, you know, take my little IV pole the next throughout yeah. the next couple of days and just walk laps in the hallway, which felt really good because it's I, awesome. I felt like I needed to move and, and keep things going. Um, how, how big you know, is and from there? Go ahead, please. Um, I, how big is the incision? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask because I want our, our listeners and we're going to, if it's okay with you, we'll in the show notes, put a, a picture of, of the incision. Oh yeah. Go for it. Um, so it goes, from like like right where my diaphragm starts all the way down to uh, my pelvic bone okay. or a little bit lower than that. Um, yeah, so it's pretty long. I think it's probably like 
13 inches or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it's completely healed now. After a month, I don't have staples. I don't have anything. It's just all a very light scar right now, which hopefully will be will be minimal after a longer period of time. What are you doing to um, – Ryan and I are all about – I'm going to say holistic. I don't know if that's the correct word. Are you putting any oils or any, what are you treating the scar with? Um, so I've just been using like a Vino lotion, just like natural lotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they don't want you to put too much on it because your body actually does a really good job of healing itself when you don't put too much sure. on it at first. Sure. Um, so, and honestly, I only had staples, which... Hmm. I probably had, I think at one point I counted and I had like 37 staples and then they were just in there for two and a half weeks and then they pulled them out and it was just letting it heal from there. Um, How did that feel? I've had staples. Did that hurt? The staples? Yeah. Yeah. It it didn't hurt so much as it was just like uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Wow. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel like my pain tolerance is different than most people. <laughs> okay, I get so... needles stabbed in my eye. <laughs> right. You've been through some crazy shit. And I feel like for most people with diabetes, well, I'm going to say all of us, we have a different tolerance of pain because we endure so much every single day that I'm not going to say we are numbed to the situation, but you just kind of, I don't know, take a deep breath and... You move along. I mean, or you yeah. take out the injection site and you move it somewhere else. It doesn't hurt. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not going to do it there for a while. That one kind of hurts. <laughs> right. I have like a little war zone right now. I need to put it on Instagram, but I have like, there are like five different little bruises on my thigh. And I'm like, what was I doing? I mean, I didn't see the three other bruises when I decided to try, <laughs> try to give an injection there. What's going on? So, yeah. Yeah. Constant things. Well, that's okay. how, yeah. That's how my arm feels right now. Um, oh. Both of my arms, actually. Just being blood being drawn multiple times a day. Oh, God. Just, it feels like a pin cushion all the time. And, but I it's just, a war zone on my arms. <laughs> on that note, I have to say, and no comparison at all, but I just went through a pretty serious cancer scare. And, um, as someone with diabetes, like you said, we're so in control of everything. So somebody pricking me with a needle or taking blood, I'm a wreck. I mean, I will say right off the bat, hey, listen, I give injections. Here's what I, you know, I'm putting my trust in you, but I'm watching you kind of deal. And there was one <laughs> where this chick, I know she was nervous. She was young. There was a gusher. I mean, she, blood hit the wall. And I'm like, what? are you doing? Like, I mean, and then the other one, I was like, listen, my last experience was a shit show. I need you to get this right. No pressure, but I mean, (laughs) so I feel bad for the medical staff that deals with anybody with type one diabetes because we've given way more shots. We've dealt with way more things probably than even a seasoned RN at this point. I feel like, would you agree with that? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. I just, I think, I think we, I think we also think we know because we've been doing it for so many years. Right. We're experts in my we're mind. We're just like, we're like, no, that's not how you do it. I've seen IVs done. I haven't actually done one myself, but I've <laughs> yeah. done it like 30 million times. Right. I've had it done to me. 
Like, what are you doing? Get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> right. I need And you can always ask. I'm just throwing that out there. You can always ask for somebody else if you don't feel comfortable. And they will be offended, yeah. but it's your body. You need to do what you need to do. So let me check one thing. And I want to, because I want to hear about now that you are <sighs> diabetes free. Can we say that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is like foreign terms. It's, it's weird. And honestly, like a part of me is like missing if I say I'm not ah. diabetes anymore. So I'm going to say that I am on a diabetes vacation for right it. now. I love it. Um, yeah, I haven't had to take insulin for just over a month now. Um, think of all the money and- you've saved. <laughs> All the money. I'm kidding. As in you just had a major (laughs) surgery that I'm sure was not cheap. Yeah. Um, I actually was, um, I came home and it was very, like, I have all these, I have a diabetes supply hoarder. I'm Ah, I'm not going to lie about that. that. We have to be. Syringes for days. (laughs) I have insulin for years. Can you please mail me some Lantus? I'm almost out and I'm losing my insurance. (laughs) Yet I literally can mail you some Lantis. <laughs> I will send it in the mail. <laughs> um, I just gave away like 30 bottles of Humalog. Oh and I have, if any of the listeners out there need tandem pump supplies, I have like three months worth of tandem pump supplies. We will put so. that, we will put that in the show notes because everyone knows, especially when you, this, this stuff is so expensive. Hey everyone, I'm at the grocery store, sorting through all the almond milks to find one with no sugar added. And it made me think of the way that most people do their shopping these days, through Amazon. Alright, just wanted to go ahead and remind everyone of the best way to support the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. All you gotta do is click on the Amazon banner out on the right side of our homepage, okay, and buy your Amazon items there. Just go to diabetesdailygrind.com, okay, click on our site first, that Amazon ad on the right side, and then Amazon will send us a commission based off of whatever you buy. Doesn't matter what it is. And that helps our show keep grinding out the episodes. All right, let's get back to the show. Tell me, sugar mama, what's your A1C? Are you into endocrinology? Pricker is a pricker and the pumping is pumping. Beats like Wilford Brimley keep coming, but officer, I ain't been drained. Okay, so going back to where I think where we left off just a second ago, we were talking about the first 48 hours and um, kind of letting go of your diabetes control. And allowing other people to manage your disease, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're walking around with your IV pole. You're feeling good. And what's going on in your mind during all of this? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, at this point, it's just a matter of, like, is this really real? Right. Is this, do You know, because I didn't see the pancreas and the kidney go in, I didn't see it get attached and then them fill me back up. You know, all I have was these staples down my abdomen and, and people telling me what happened. Um, you know, and I, I, I didn't, at that point, I didn't really feel that much different other than, you know, I didn't feel low or I didn't feel high in blood sugar. It just, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted and I can't believe this just happened. Um, 
And I think the most powerful thing going through my mind really was this this is going to be different. Like yeah. a lot of things are going to change and and I was I was excited and also really terrified at the same time. And another thing that really kind of started to kind of grow deeper within me was like I don't have di- do I have diabetes anymore? Do right. I- Say that I have, do I say that I have diabetes, but not say that I have diabetes? Are you like a recovering like, person with diabetes? I mean, now that you're, <laughs> I mean. I just, yeah, and I don't, you know, when I was just thinking back to 22 years of my life and and not knowing what who I am without diabetes, you know, right. like there's this whole, this whole part of your brain that gets taken up by everything with diabetes. And and that was kind of like, it's empty now. Like it's going to, it's going to be this like empty moldable space that what am I going to do with that that space now? Right. Um, And even, even still to this day, like right now I am still thinking about it and, and more it's morphed into okay, you need to stop thinking about it. You need to stop thinking about thinking about it and <laughs> yeah. just let go. <laughs> right. Um, Which is hard for a lot of us. Yeah. But you never think um, that letting go would be, and especially in those circumstances, a hard, really hard thing to do. Is a part of your treatment yeah. going through some type of therapy? Um, I... And I'm able to talk to a social worker or um, they can recommend me to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to start with a therapist here in my neighborhood next week and Good. kind of start to break it down and process because it's, it's been quite a, quite a year. So, um, yeah, you are like, I mean, the, you have undergone everything I feel like a person with type 1 diabetes especially is either thought about, feared, or excited about. You've kind of been yeah. what, I mean, that's a lot to handle. I don't care who you are. Superman couldn't handle this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wonder Woman, shoot. I mean, whoever. But um, so kudos for having the courage to do it. My gosh. And, oh, thanks. And, and you obviously had a good support team. Your family was around you and... Your well, friends. that's just what I was going to say. I was going to say that, um, you know, I get a lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, you're so courageous. You're so strong. And really, I feel like, one, you don't have a choice. There's not there's not a choice given to you whether or not you can be strong. Like, you just, you do it. And two, I think you are a sum of the strength that is provided to you through your support system. Right. Um, I know that I would not have be have been in the place that I am, you know, without my dad really pushing me to to get this transplant stuff rolling, and without my mom being by my bedside every single day in the hospital. Right. Like it just, I know that I wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be in the same place. Like I I still would have figured out how to get through it, but I don't think I would have been able to do it as as smoothly as I have. We're going to need um, you to send me pictures of your pops who was kind enough to, in a perfect match, should he have needed to do that. And um, maybe if there's a picture in the hospital with your support team, because we want to give them a shout out for sure, because 
when that's what is a part of the healing process is having people around you that rally and yeah, just hold your hand through those things. So, yeah. And they sit with you in the trenches, right? When it's pretty grueling and you're like, Oh, I can't handle one more IV poke. I can't, I can't handle one more blood draw. Like there were moments where I, you know, my, my good friend Kat that everybody here knows from T. Wendy Exposed would be sitting on my bed trying to talk to me while they would be drawing me my blood and just, you know, me ending up sobbing because they can't get another vein and they have to keep (laughs) poking and just, you know, it's, it's not even that big of a deal. Like it's just a blood draw. But at that point it's like, you've poked me so many times. Like just, just get away from me. And and I wouldn't have been able to do that without people like her and, and my family too. So, well, and I totally, I totally so, yeah. can relate to that and by no means the same level, but you know, my recent, whatever I went through, um, I'm terrified of other people drawing blood. And like I said, just, I've had poor experiences and whatever. And so I'm, I've, Ryan was kind enough to go with me whenever I had to have a biopsy and, chatted with me through the IV chatted with me through, you know, like he knew how to kind of talk me off the ledge and divert my attention to something else and make me laugh while I'm being poked and prodded. And it's great to have that support team, whether you have diabetes or not, everybody needs that, that person. And if you don't just give us a shout, we'll be there for you because (laughs) we know how valuable (laughs) that is. So exactly. Anybody listening, you know, uh, if you're going through anything, just, Make Everybody sure needs somebody there. in the hospital. I spent a lot of time um, in my adult life early on giving back to Children's Hospital and then I was a NICU cuddler. And that's Aww. the ICU for the neonatal or whatever. I think that's what it's called. And um, and then I would – as a part of the gift cart. But because that made such an impact on me as, as a kid when I was diagnosed, I remember the gift cart coming through and I still have the gifts that I was given – and so yeah. for me, it was about giving back and just being a part of the process. And I knew what an impact it had on my life. And so for anybody out there that has extra time, volunteer at a hospital. You'd be surprised what a difference you can make in somebody else's life. But also how, I'm not going to say selfishly, but rewarding it can be to to sit with someone. And there, you would be surprised how many people are in that hospital room by themselves. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's nice to have friends and family that can support you. And so you're a month in. Did you, Okay, let me ask you this. Right out of surgery, did they put the CGM back on or were you having a test with the tester? Um, I was I was checking with a, a meter, but there was part of me that was like, I just want to put a sensor on just to see, yeah. just to see the flat line. Right. Like, just to see the no variation. But then I, I started feeling guilty because I have, I do, I have so many friends in the diabetes community and I'm just like, I don't want to be that person. Don't like, feel guilty. Perfect blood sugars. Oh <laughs> so. my gosh. We're going to be like riding the waves of this success, successful transplant. And we're, you, you do not feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's amazing I mean, okay okay amber i'm gonna send you my blood sugar every time i check uh, i'm gonna be like look i'm in range <laughs> like i just can't imagine i mean again total flip of the mindset yeah Do you, uh i and i we're gonna keep an eye on you and i'm gonna st- friendly stalk you on this journey is 
you don't have to think about it anymore. Can you ever yeah. really let it go? I don't know. We'll see. You think it'll and, change your diet? You know, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, no, you know, honestly, I don't see. Okay, I say this, but I, I'm going to say this with caution because I actually came home like the very first night from the hospital and ate an entire pint of ice cream. <laughs> and that was probably the worst thing I could have done. But my blood sugar, I woke up the next morning and it was 83. So I was like, oh, my pancreas actually does work. Okay. Jesus. Um, but I'm going to be really conscious about still having a healthy, a healthy diet and, and lifestyle because that is another, um, worry that the transplant team has is that these pe- people get a new pancreas and then they're like, Oh, I can go, go crazy. Carpet, and right, I can right. go do whatever I want. And then they actually, a lot of people end up developing type two diabetes because, uh they just go down the other side of the the road and you know so i want to be make sure and make sure and be on top of it and healthy and one of my goals for the next couple of years is that i want to sign up for some sort of race some sort of athletic I love endeavor it. and and accomplish it because it's been a while since i've been able to do that with that too but I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Having to worry about going low in the middle of the night and (laughs) getting sick and ending up in DKA or any of that stuff. So, well, three final questions, which are more of the real life. Number one, whenever you're ready to get really roll into a real life, can you go out with your friends and have a cocktail? Yeah, I can have a cocktail. That's so no more, no more of the college benders anymore. Yeah, who needs them, right? (laughs) Except for recovering for years, (laughs) (laughs) right? Number two, not that you want them, but can you have children? Um, I, I think yes, I can actually because they gave us um a whole pamphlet about one of my medications and if you want to get pregnant, so get off and wow, children. That's pretty hopeful. Yeah. Um, And the third question, I totally lost my train of thought on that because I was so excited about the first two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, no, I know it is. Okay, so I know that you've had a lot going on in your life right now. (laughs) Um, Do you guys still plan to put out a calendar? And I think that whenever you're ready to do it, should you do it again, how exciting it will be to show your – new body with the scar I for some reason I knew that you were gonna ask this question <laughs> and I just wasn't still wasn't prepared um I think so Kat and I have actually been putting together a little announcement for the T1D exposed community but this year we are taking a break you should. I'm putting yeah. out a calendar. Um, Thank God, because I need time to work out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. off the hook. We still had the, the Warriors definitely beat the Thunder. Like oh, and you bastards. Times. Let me just tell you, after <laughs> Kevin Durant went to you guys, I was like, son of yeah. a bitch. I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but we definitely plan on doing another one in the future. Um, 
please keep us posted how we can help in any way because as we've said in the first podcast it's just really exciting and it I think is inspirational for so many people and real life steps in the way sometimes to keep us from doing stuff but I feel really confident when the next issue comes out it's going to be 10 times as big because of everything else that's going on between the two you know what's going on in your lives so yeah definitely we're excited I'm so excited about it and you know if the interest keeps going and the people still want to get naked we'll we'll still be there so <laughs> you know that I'm all about and I'm not I mean it's your business it's your everything that you guys are doing is all about you but I've really been pushing for a separate calendar for people to type to and my interview with Dominique Wilkins a couple months back I was like hey will you get naked and he was like I'm sorry <laughs> And wife probably wouldn't appreciate that. And I'm like, it's not for me. I mean, you know, whatever. It was just... Anywho. And I think I might have mentioned well, it to Rev Run and his wife just anywho. Yeah. It, yeah. So I'm I'm push I'm pitching it for you guys. Okay. Well, I have no discrimination against anyone with IDs, so <laughs> right. type one, type two, or now I'm gonna say I'm a type four. Type four. That's God. what I'm calling it. Because we already have a term for type 3. So there's yeah. people that don't have diabetes that want diabetes. So I'm a type 4, whereas I had diabetes, I don't have diabetes, but I still wish I kind of did have diabetes. <laughs> you are going to be like a guest speaker on every single panel in the next two years. I feel it, I feel it coming and how inspirational your journey has been. I think it will change it change a lot of people's lives. So again, kudos and for having the courage and allowing me to stalk you throughout this journey. I'm really proud of you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up? Um, You know, I just would like to open it out there that if there are other people who have been through or are going through kidney stuff related to diabetes, like I am very much open to hearing from anyone and I can tell you more about my experience, answer any questions. I can I'm very much an open book when it comes to my health right now and always, but um, I'd love to hear from people and, and hear your stories or answer your questions or just have a chat about it. So, yeah. So if anybody, when you're listening, if you happen to be listening on our iTunes podcast or through the diabetes daily grain website, either shoot us an email or we, and we will gladly in the show notes link up how to get a hold of Tara. Um, and obviously push the T1D exposed calendar because they're doing great things and um, strengthen numbers essentially. So please reach out if you have any questions. Like Tara said, she's a, an open book and that's what this life is all about is your experiences are helping other people that are battling with the same disease. So Tara, thank you so much for sharing and, you know, cheers to the highs and lows. And I don't think you'll have many more of them, which is crazy. It's just going to be cheers to the steady bar that you're going to send me a picture of like (laughs) once a month or your meter. Anytime it says 111, shoot me a text because that's my goal every day. So, okay, I will do that. All right. Well, I will stalk you soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, Amber. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Isn't Tara awesome? The whole idea of a pancreas being attached to an iliac blows my mind. I bet that's what you were thinking too. (laughs) 
there will be future conversations here because I am so curious and we've got to continue to check in with her as she continues the whole making insulin thing again on her own. Um, I've just got so many questions I'd love to ask. But instead, I was actually helping out in a few pancreas-related surgeries at the hospital uh, because we just started back to the third-year medical school. Um, but for this next conversation, I'll be there. No doubt. No doubt. All right. The iTunes review context is rolling now. I mean, we got we got entries everywhere. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I absolutely loved today's from Jmart44, titled Informative and Entertaining. Five stars. Here it is. Ryan and Amber share their unique and honest perspective on living with diabetes. I love their focus on how to use diet, lifestyle, medicine, tech, and laughter to improve the lives of those living with diabetes. They are dynamic, funny, candid, and interview some great personalities. In addition to learning a great deal from this podcast, they've encouraged me to relax and live a little. Um, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Or, or, or woman. Big thanks. Um, we love doing the show. We absolutely love it. And uh, we, we agree with you. Relaxing and live a little is okay for us. It's all about the balance. All about the balance. Okay, so our next... Oh, wait, before we get to the next episode, i got to tell you. Okay, jmart44, hit us up at info at diabetesdailygrind.com. We will send you a t-shirt, other miscellaneous, kind of diabetes-related things. Okay, so hit us up. Info at diabetesdailygrind.com. We'll exchange some addresses, send you a shirt. Cool. Our next podcast episode is an Ask Us Anything episode. We've had two of those already. Uh, If you want to go back and reference how those goes, the way it usually happens is we have somebody ask a question, and then we answer live, talk about it, have a little bit of a discussion. Usually there's multiple takes, so we're excited about it. If you'd like to put in a question for anything that we've ever talked about or just something new you want us to to talk about, uh, go to diabetesdailygrind.com. There's a speak pipe button on the right side. You click on that and it allows you to insert your question right there in an audio recording. Super simple. Or you can go to Twitter, send us a direct message, at Diabetes Grind. You can hit us up on Instagram, at Diabetes Grind. Send us a message there too. Do it on Facebook also. Um, And we will answer all those questions during the next podcast episode. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, We appreciate everybody telling friends and family about the show. And we love hearing from you. Um, So continue on living the diabetes life. We will too. And to that we say... Cheers to the highs and lows. See you next episode. I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called dying.